Hello and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke and today I am very lucky indeed. I'm being joined by the first Luxembourg Indian Bollywood actor. Her name is Niharika Raizada. Welcome Niharika, so wonderful to have you here in Luxembourg with us today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, I have to say, first of all, when you sent me your information and your photos, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I need to dress up a little bit. I need to put on a tiny little bit of makeup because I'm here with an ex-Miss India UK, uh, a runner-up for Miss India Worldwide. We'll get into all of that. And I was thinking, my gosh, I'm going to feel so inferior. Oh, oh, I think the humility is the most beautiful asset anyone can ever have. And I think you have abundance of it. And I must tell the audiences that she's looking absolutely stunning today. So, no, very, no qualms there. <laughs> now, I'm going to dive straight into your background. You just told me before we went on air that your parents were one of the first Indian families to move here to Luxembourg 40 years ago. I believe so. I think they were one of the first families, couples, to ever come to Luxembourg. And they enjoyed the privileges of that as well. You know, they've been to the opening ceremonies of a couple of things here in Luxembourg with the Grand Duke and the Grand Duchess and the Belgian King and the Queen. And they've had quite a bit of a royalty beginning here. My father worked for the European Commission and that's how he ended up coming here. And at that time it was just getting its bearings. And my father was an informatics guy and he pretty much helped a lot to set it up. And moving then to your life, you and your two younger siblings have grown up here in Luxembourg. And because of your father's work, you went to the European school. You speak an abundance of languages, Hindi at home. That was very important to keep your culture, you were saying to me. Yes, I think both my parents have always maintained the fact that we needed to remember our roots and and keep our origins very close to our hearts. And I think my mother and my father both play a very important role in giving us that status. All three of us, we speak Hindi fluently and we also were told to read and write it, which eventually ended up helping me a lot as well in the future because of what I ended up doing. I think it's important parents should always remind their children of oranges and where they come from. I think that's a very important thing, a very important teaching. And from the European school, through that time, you also spent a lot of time dancing at the Conservatoire Ballet, I believe. Yes, I, I did a lot of classes at the Conservatoire. You know, I, I started off by doing dance because that was something I was always very passionate about. But when it came to choosing an instrument, because I don't know if you know, but there's like a five year musical course that you do. And then with that, you have to learn an instrument. And I wanted to do the piano, but I found a very cute boy in the guitar class. And I told myself, well, I have a choice here. And it was very important choice but I ended up making the choice of going into the guitar class where the cute boy was which was bad because I should have done the piano <laughs> oh, but this is I... a little anecdote about my life which I keep remembering and telling myself oh damn why didn't I do the piano classes oh I don't know about <laughs> that there's a, I mean I play piano but the guitar you can carry with you yes it's a very portable <laughs> kind of instrument but mind you I never took it with me to India I should have your artistic life was something that was running in parallel to your educational life which took you to Imperial College in London which is a fantastic institution for science. What did you study there? I studied translational medicine, uh, biochemistry. Initially, I was in the medical campus, but I ended up doing translational medicine, and that was a master's in cardiology. It's a new kind of branch of medicine which links bench to bedside medicine. I would say it's revolutionary, and it's the kind of medicine that we've practiced from 50 years from now. I was the first group of people who did that, just seven of us. Very interesting a branch of medicine. And I'm very proud to do it. And the people that I met there, the mentors who guided me at that time, they were really people who thought ahead of their times. 
And so I truly tell myself that Imperial College was one of the most founding members of my life with regards to my educational background. Really important time of my life, the most fun part of my life. London as a whole not only gave me my education, but my beginnings to cinema as well. Oh, and how come? Because when I went to London... You can understand the difference between London and Luxembourg is so vast. Yes, right? I can. <laughs> and and it hit me. It really did hit me. I ended up assisting a lot of directors and producers there with their films. How the, did you manage to do that and your studies at Imperial? Because that would have taken up a fair amount of time. I never took any holidays. I never did any freshers parties. I never went out too much. And it was always, I think we used to finish our classes at around five o'clock on Wednesdays. We used to have our classes off at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I was on a film set after that. Well, where did you find them? How did you get into that in the first place? So I was always a dancer, a creative artist uh, from Luxembourg. So I had done so much in the arts that I had a CV, an artistic CV. So I would send my CV around to people and tell them that I'm very interested to assist, very interested to learn, even to be a runner for that matter. And I started off as an assistant and as a runner to help people out on set who had to greet the artists or the actors who came on set, make sure they're comfortable, make sure that the continuity of the scenes were mentioned. You know, I was literate and I was intelligent enough to grasp these things. So they put me onto those kind of tasks. And that's where I really started off, assisting, running. How I applied was as simply as, you know, you have these castings and you have these options that people put on the websites and internet sites. Were right anybody it. listening to us from London? What were you looking at? The stage? I know the stage is one of the big online sites, newspapers in the past as well. How did you find these castings or sets to work on? Yes, the stage was one of them. And uh, I had a lot of friends also because in Imperial College as well, we had a theatre group and we also had an acting group. They knew people and they had people who were involved at large, the British theatre. And contacts are, I think, the main places from which you get more information. So people speaking is where you actually get your information. And I would always be very curious to find out if any Indian film productions would be coming. Because being Indian myself, I thought it would be an easier way to get into the market. And it was. And I also won the Miss India UK in, yes. in 2003. Well, I want to come to the Miss India UK. <laughs> so how did you think about entering this? Whose idea was it? Um, I think mine, because I was always a very avid stage performer and there was this opportunity here uh, to represent your culture, your country, in another country, dance, sing, maybe present something like an arts piece or something. And I thought this would be the perfect platform for me to actually get my talent out there. And, and it was. to enter Miss India UK, do you have a British passport or is it because you were living there? Because I was living there. Because there was a lot of debate on, oh, but she's from Luxembourg, she has a Luxembourgish passport, but she's been living here for some years now and she's at Imperial College. So it was a representation of Europe, so to say. So you won Miss India UK 2010 to 2011. Yes. And that took you on to Miss India Worldwide down in Durban in the east of South Africa. Yes. What was that experience like? Oh, phenomenal. I think overall, one of the highlights of my life, because I got to meet so many different women from so many different parts of the world, but all with Indian origins. That was the whole point of the pageant. The pageant is regrouping women from all over the world who have Indian origins, but come from different places. So you'll have a girl from Fiji, you'll have a girl from Mauritius, you'll have a girl from India itself. Indian girls from these different countries, and we're all co competing together. And I want to just dig in a little bit to the, the beauty of these competitions, because obviously you're highly intelligent, you went to Imperial College, you were studying translational medicine, you speak many languages. 
How does that sit in your mind with the fixture on beauty? Well, I I can't say that I wasn't driven by vanity to to even apply. I mean, I was. It would be a lie if I said that, oh, I don't really mind how I look from the outside. It's all about the inner beauty. No, not at all. And I think it is important, your aesthetics from the outside. And I believe in it. And I think that a good combination is always what takes you forward. Like a good personality with, with a good exterior is what can really push you out into the world. And I've always believed in that. And so I think beauty pageants should not be looked upon badly. Some people do end up doing that. And a lot of people were, at even at my time when I joined it, they were like, but you know, you're so intellectually driven. Why would you want to put yourself up, so to speak, on in a marketplace where people are just looking at you from a very aesthetic point of view? And I would tell them that, no, I'm there to reflect my personality and my exterior is a part of it. And so that's what I feel about beauty per se. But I think this pageant as well was different in its sorts that we were allowed to showcase what we knew and how we looked. That's what made it special. Are there any differences between the Miss India competitions compared to Miss World or various other comparable competitions? So... The um, difference is there. I must say that the Miss World, Miss Universe pageants are definitely a lot more focused on the body. But the Miss World has a cause, a purpose, which is nice. The Miss Universe has one too, but it's not as evident. Obviously, you can't kind of disassociate the person from the body, right? But I do feel that there is a certain sense of more emphasis on how tall, how beautiful, how your hair shines and how you smile, how perfect your teeth are. These are aspects which are a lot more focused on Miss World and Miss Universe pageants, which was not so much the case on our pageant. I think we do look for an all-rounder. And I think that's what makes this pageant a little different. You are trying to uh, triage, you're you're trying to select these girls based on an all-rounder personality. And that's why I like it. And so then after Imperial, tell us your your jumps. You were working, (laughs) when you weren't studying at Imperial, you were working on the film sets. How did you jump from that to really being an actor yourself? So I always credit London and the people that I met in London with my affection for cinema per se because I learned exactly what it meant to be on the production side as well as the direction side as well as the acting side. Inside of me, I must admit, I've harbored a dream to become an actor since I've been a child, since the first time I ever set foot on a stage and to be in the limelight in that way. I think I've always harbored this dream, but it was very silent for many years. And when I went to London, I think that kind of opened up a lot more. I had the courage to take the plunge because uh, coming from a very academic background, you always do doubt yourself to say, will I be able to really even uh, struggle my way through this entertainment business? Because it's a business and it's not something for the faint hearted. I can tell you that. And when I left London, I went to America and I solidified my knowledge in the world of acting because I went to the New York Film Academy. And I really learned a lot about improvisation and what it meant to actually be an actor, you know. So in London, I learned about film production and film direction a lot more and what happens on film sets. But then I started uh, sort of academically pursuing acting, what it meant to be an actor. How long were you there for in New York? Uh, Well, I was in New York overall for approximately two years, but it was in conjunction with obviously always my medicine. 
I was also uh, admitted into the Johns Hopkins Cardiology Division. I was a Fulbright scholar. And I was doing stem cell research. So these things have always been in parallel in my life. But I used to come to New York every weekend, do these classes, and it was phenomenal because it opened me up. I was a very shy girl. And I think when you need to be on stage, and especially when you need to be in the world of media and cinema, you need to be quite confident with making sure that everything you know and everything you are aware of, you've put it out there. And that did it for me. New York Academy did it for me. And from there, I took a one-way flight to India, thinking that, okay, now I have the ropes and all the teachings to make me into what I feel would be a adequate actor. So why not just take the leap and do it. But while you were in New York, you were also doing this science research, stem cell research. Some people would also say that's phenomenal. So it must have been quite a tear in you, or maybe even for your parents, to stop that. How did you make that decision? So to be very honest with you, Lisa, I have uh, never really stopped science because I'm a writer and I publish science and I do research even today. Right. How, how can you do that and act? Because um, writing and researching involves data acquisition and pattern der- derivations and trend uh, forecasting. And acting um, is not an everyday job. That's where I can tell you I can do both because acting is not an everyday job. The films that I've done, they've been 118 days long, but they've also been 15 days long. And there are 365 days in a, in a year. And you have a lot of time on your hands. And if you dedicate yourself appropriately, you can do great time management and you can actually apply yourself in those areas. But yes, if I was a full-time practicing healthcare professional, it would be very difficult for me to be able to uh, you know, combine that with um, my acting profession. And also, if I become extremely famous, it would be extremely hard. And fortunately or not fortunately, I've always been able to do the arts and acting as a passion of mine rather than, you know, getting so famous that I don't have time to do anything else. But this is, I don't know if it's a fortunate or unfortunate thing, but so far I've been able to manage both. But yes, so there's never been a tear per se between me. It's just I am a very North Pole, South Pole kind of person as a personality as well. So I, I need, so if I do filming for too many days, I need to get back to my research and I need to study like a cardiology paper just to get my bearings again, just to feel that I am me. And this is me. And I, I think it takes a lot of people, uh, it takes them by surprise. Is this really you? Is this how you are? How can you be so diverse and so uh, radically opposite from each other? Because people don't connect cinema and cardiology at all. But I do in my head somehow. And I tell them this is my personality, you know, and, and I'm not going to change it for anyone and I'm going to remain the way I am. So yes, it, it does tear you when, I'll tell you where and when it tears you. It tears you when you have a really important film shoot and at the same time you have a conference. Oh my gosh, at that point, the choice that you have to make, that tears you because you, you love both. And I've usually always gone with the medical thing. That's bad, but I think it's more because I have this human side to me, which I think is important, like dissemination of information and, you know, the importance of, if you know something and if you can help somebody in that way and you know provide preventative care, that's more important than acting. I think that's where I make that choice. I really make that choice. That's really interesting to hear you say that because obviously before this interview, I was expecting to be interviewing an actor, a driven, well, you're clearly driven, 
actor who is a Bollywood star. And of course, you have ambitions there as well. But let's move back to the acting now for a few minutes. Let's join you on that flight from New York, the one-way ticket to India. Where did you pitch up in India and why? I pitched up in a hotel for the first six weeks. Which part of India? It's a large country. I went to Mumbai and I went to the south part of Mumbai. And Naraman Point, to be precise. Did you have any family links there? I had a lot of family in India, but not so much in Mumbai, which is the western part of India. And uh, I didn't even tell my parents that I used my last bit of Fulbright scholarship money to take that flight. And But I was very clear in my head that India was my destination now. And it was quite uh, an adventure. So initially I stayed in a hotel, then I had to while my way into finding an apartment for myself and I don't know how how much you know about India but it's not so easy for a single independent girl to find herself an accommodation just for herself and that too with no background per se I mean there's no background check possible on me because I came from Europe and I came from outside of India so the people are very dubious about of you know who is she and how come she's just landed up here so it was difficult. At that point, I had to call my parents because then I got my parents to come and help me settle me down in an apartment of our choice. So initially, sort of the move and the settling was difficult. And you need a good home to be able to find your bearings, right? So that was a difficult part. Then came the castings and then came the applications for getting into movies. And I think I've done more than 2,800 castings, out of which I think I have a 5 to 10% success rate, which I think is not bad because some people have had no success, but I've had a little bit of success. So I used to get the roles that I would cast for. And slowly, slowly, today I'm doing two very, very big Bollywood films. I did have a bit of a background in cinema from my family point of view. My a grandfather from my mother's side was quite a famous personality in the Bollywood film industry. And in India... Who was he? His name was Opie Nair, and he was a great music director, worked in the Indian film industry between the 1950s to the 1975s, and created music for old black and white movies. And so people knew that I was related to him, and that helped me build a status. It also perhaps helped your parents not freak out when you went to India (laughs) to pursue a career in film. I I don't know. Uh, They freaked out. Uh, I think whatever whatever it would have been, they would have still freaked out because parents are like that. You know, they care about their child's future. And to know that a girl who has gone through so much academics and suddenly tells herself that India is her destination is not a very easy uh, thought that people can accept. You did say that twice now. You said you felt very strongly whilst you were in New York that India was the place you were meant to go. How did you feel that? How did that kind of solidify inside you that you were so sure that was the next step for you and the right choice? Because that couldn't have been an easy choice either. It's a calling and a very strong calling within me. India for me has always represented dynamism, enthusiasm, youth and something where I can build upon I feel the West has developed a lot and there's a lot of potential that has been used. Whereas India, I still feel with the right kinds of minds can reshape the way our people and our society thinks. And uh, not to sound too big, but I, I do feel that way. And I felt that those energies align with me. Uh, I learned a lot from the West. 
my educational background, my languages. I speak German, French, Spanish, Luxembourgish, and I think I'm so grateful to have that opportunity to be here from here. But I think the application of all of that, and I don't know, I just felt India would, was aligned with me from every aspect, young population, re, re, revving to go, dynamic, and very ambitious. And I think that that's what pulled me towards India. And so you were successful. I mean, it's it's extraordinary to hear about the number of castings you went through, nearly 3,000. And it's also very interesting for listeners who might be thinking about this to hear that you had a 5 to 10% success rate with this, which is, it just shows how much you need to push in order to get those roles. Oh, it's absolutely essential. First, to identify the assets that you have. And you must be very sure about them because the competition is very tough. So I had the linguistic side. I had a family background side. I had the European heritage side. I had um, the Miss India and the Miss uh, India Worldwide side. So I had a couple of things going for me. And on the basis of that, I took that leap of faith. Actually, we must say on the Miss India Worldwide, how did you do in that competition? I I came first runner up. I just missed out because the girl who won, I mean, even I cried on her talent round. She had a talent round and she she did a ventriculism act and it was insanely beautiful. I sang and danced. I think it was okay. But that was where our marks differed because uh, she was also a medical student and she was very highly qualified, very beautiful. And but her talent, her talent made all of us emotional. And that's what got everybody in the audience. And my talent was very real, but that made me second. second. So Well, very, very commendable to become first runner-up in the Miss India Worldwide also. Can you just talk us through one of the examples of how a casting goes for you? So um, I've been in queues where there have been more than 500, 600 people. And I've also been in queues where there are a selected number of girls uh, say eight or nine. So I've seen both and it's quite tough. So India's uh, average temperature is around 30 to 40 degrees. And, uh, you know, you're not always going to be in an AC kind of a lounge to attend these castings. At times you have to stay outside as well because it's a long queue and there's a lot of people. So I've seen that kind of folly, you know, it's it's madness to be very honest with you. But I think it's it's something one has to go through as an actor. I think an actor is is really polished and, and, you know, like I think does well when when they get to see all sorts of things in life. And so it's a privilege actually to have gone through these experiences. But I must say that once you evolve from that, it's very difficult for you to go back to that. So today, uh, now that I'm, you know, somewhat established, it would be difficult maybe for me to stand again in those queues. And I think there's an age and a time and a place for all of these things. And I think I've kind of lived through that and then I've gone to the next phase and the next phase is you know, having a little bit of a name for yourself and having people recognize what you can do and so they can think of think about you and put you in different kind of roles now. And I've kind of put myself out there to get to that point. And you've returned to Luxembourg. Why did you return to Luxembourg? Oh, because I was invited by the Luxembourgish Film Fund uh, president director, uh, Guy Dalada, to tell me that, why don't you try and uh, look at the market here? And, you know, I told myself, well, wouldn't that be wonderful? I've never really thought about European and American cinema per se, but hey, I know the languages and it would be interesting. You know, I've, I'm kind of, I've always been spontaneous that way. I'm always up for new challenges. And and obviously there's a huge market difference, right? I think India, you know, with cinema halls such as 10,000 cinema halls, cinema screens we have, America, 41,000 cinema screens, um, Luxembourg, 33 cinema screens. 
what is it that we finally want to do cinema for? You know, because I understand the business now a little bit as well. And I tell myself, is it the artistic drive? Is it the is it the money drive? Or what is it? And I think it's a combination of all of them. So when you come back to Europe, you find out there's a change of mentality. India it runs on numbers. So the box office numbers matters a lot. So that's why I tell you when I did two big Bollywood films, which are called Total Dhamal and Suri Vanshi, these are like $25 million films, smaller films than American films, but they will end up doing business of around, you know, $300, $400 million. And in Luxembourg, people don't talk about numbers. People talk about actual um, themes, concepts. They talk about... Uh, you know, why are we doing this to portray our culture? And I like that change of mentality. And this is what I came to explore. So in India, I also went for acting, but I ended up seeing this whole business side. When I came back to Luxembourg, I saw that people are doing cinema for cinema. And that's what really attracted me. And so this Gida uh, that called me and he asked me to attend the Luxembourg Film Festival, which happened in March 2020. And I saw all the movies and I was really impressed and... I really enjoyed the whole process, but I never got to take a flight back to India. <laughs> because of COVID. Because of COVID. <laughs> and so that's my story, to be very honest with you. Didn't plan on coming back for this much time. It's been around eight months now. But uh, my life has changed because of COVID. And since I'm here and I'm an opportun opportunistic kind of woman, I've just decided to kind of explore all the opportunities here. And I'm going to stay here. I'm going to see what I can achieve because it's the beginning. And so when it comes to the Bollywood films, I looked at some of the beautiful photographs that you sent me and we'll put online, of course. How does it feel for you posing for these photos? And I ask this question with thoughts in mind of European cinema, because I think there's a difference, not that I've really ever sat through an entire Bollywood film, but I know the idea of them, I think. How does it feel the differences in your mind, because you're an expert on what a Bollywood film means, compared to, I don't know, I mean, the range of film produced in, let's call it the Western world, is quite different. I mean, I think even European films can be quite different to American films, for instance. There's a, an enormous range, but there's a certain type of film that comes out of the Bollywood market. How do you think you will need to change to work as an actor in, let's say, European films? I think minimalism is definitely uh, an asset here. I think a lot of people are more simplistic, more raw, more natural. Whereas in India, I find it's quite dressed up and frilled with song and dance and all of that. So I feel that there's a very big difference between uh, the Western kind of cinema and the Indian kind of cinema. How I will have to change myself? Luckily, because I was born here and I've got that 18 years behind me, I won't have to change too much because I can adapt quite easily and I think that the most important thing here is the languages. So I speak French and German and Luxembourgish, and I think from that point of view, I'll be able to integrate how much my face will be able to integrate, because I do have a very distinct face and a skin tone type, and I've got dark hair and a certain kind of look. How much that can give me roles, I'm not sure, you see. I always discuss this with the people here and the casting directors here. like, And to 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 survive, to be very honest, you have to be able to know that there is a future for you. And what I like is that there's this multi-ethnic pot of cultures here. And I think that somewhere uh, in that whole scenario, because culture and uh, reality are reflected in the films here, maybe they might be able to integrate me from that point of view. And in terms of what I have to change about myself, like I said, 
a lot more simpler. Like even now, so I've shot Bollywood films, right? So they do quite a lot of heavy makeup and there's a lot of heavy hairstyling. When I did my German and French uh, trials for my the movies that I'm shooting here, very simplistic, you know, natural hair. We, we end up putting a, a few extensions in our hair in India to give that volume and that, you know, that, wow, I can't that, even oh, imagine your hair with more extensions because extensions it's so thick already and long. Yeah, but, but we do. <laughs> more is never enough. <laughs> and uh, here, less is more. So that's the kind of difference that I've kind of experienced. And I like it. I like I like the simple, natural beauty of the whole of the whole thing. And even just the way people are, there's more of a linear relationship rather than a hierarchical relationship in India. Down in the south, the director, you cannot even go near him. That's the kind of uh, distancing that you need to maintain. There's this respect that you have to keep. So in Indian cinema is also divided up, right? You've got the South Indian industry, you've got the Bollywood industry, which is the Northern industry. But in the Bollywood industry, there is this kind of difference in stature, difference in status. You have to respect each one and each one's experience differently. Here I find there's a lot more of a friendly, kind of easygoing attitude. And uh, of course, people do have their uh, their experience there as well, but they're not so egoistic about it maybe you know they're a lot more they're a lot more humble I think I think yeah when we began this interview you had the phone doing a a wonderful natural Instagram live video I think it was something something akin to this and you're growing up in the era where social media is so rife so important integral to a life of yours a, a very successful famous face how do you think the role of an actor is changing these days. And I marry that with the question of how do you think the film industry will evolve? Will films continue? Or are we moving to a very different kind of business where the Netflix kind of series are the next big thing? You're talking like a producer and a businesswoman, and I like that. I do think about the business end of cinema all the time. And it's a very important question in today's world because today our cinema halls are shut. India's opening its cinema halls on the 15th of October. A film that I did was supposed to release on 24th of March. It's not even released yet. And, uh, you know, the big question is, should we release it on an on an internet platform? And I don't know how they tally the, the views and the audiences from that. But do they make it pay-per-view or how do they do it? To be very honest with you, and, and, and come to the second part of your question about how important the internet uh, social media aspect is in cinema and also within our youth today, today everybody's an actor. Can't you see it? Everybody's on YouTube, everybody's on Instagram, everybody's on Snapchat, trying or some way to reflect something about their personality and, or act out dialogues or pieces or even create their own stuff. Everyone today is in some way representing themselves on a screen and... You know, it's it's insane. It's it's absolutely incredible, and that does change the the whole um, how do you call it the, the the workings of what it meant to be on screen because it's changed now, right? Like back in the day, we used to think of the big screen as the screen, but today even your small phone screen is a screen, and you are representing yourself on it. So, you know the exorbitant amounts of money that all these actors take for example that's going to go down okay so that's one evolution the second evolution is that all these types of media that exist you know either you're going to have just a couple of people on certain kinds of media only so all your so-called extremely widespread celebrities will be on only cinema screens whereas all your young influencers and social media 
social media personalities will be on your Instagrams and your YouTube. And there's going to be this range of celebrities ranging from, I, I wouldn't call it small or big, I would just call it diverse. Like it's it's a whole, it's a different, it's a different world today, absolutely a different world. Where do I find myself in all of this? I want to stick to cinema. And to be very honest with you, I would like to be exclusively found on the big screen, you know, and that's why for so many years I have avoided doing web series, television shows, and even like more sort of just like record myself and put myself up there. I have avoided. But then you have to tell yourself, well, I have to stay with the trend. And the trend is that my next door neighbor is doing more videos than I am. And am I getting enough uh, footage out there to represent myself, you know, and, and it becomes a kind of a game or a comparison. I don't want to get into this race because I don't feel that I want to be a part of that. I still want to just continue my love and my sin- and passion for cinema purely for the big screen so that if anyone says, oh, I want Sydney Harker to rise others work, I don't want it to be so widely available on Instagram or on YouTube. I don't want it to be like that. But in today's times, can I stay away from it? I'm just experiencing that now. But it has, it is gonna. It's paradigm shifts in every direction because the screen sizes have changed, the screen platforms have changed. Will cinema still remain only for the theaters if COVID remains? No, you know because uh, people don't have the luxury of being able to sit two hundred, three hundred of us in one cinema hall and enjoy a film together. I just went to this film festival in Luxembourg a few days ago called the Cine East Film Festival, and the the whole discussion was. Please come back to the theaters. Please come back to the cinema halls. You know, these are halls of community reassembling. These are halls where people sit together and enjoy and, you know, have a good time. Please come back. But everyone's wearing a mask. You have to sit there two hours wearing a mask. Stay covered up. Stay two meters distance away from everyone. These kinds of conditions don't permit you to be in those kinds of places. So there's so much that, you know, this is such a big question how in social media or this influences cinema, it's completely changed the whole ball game. I mean, even the money, Netflix, Amazon, all these uh, platforms that you have, they're competing with the theaters. I wouldn't want to watch a movie on Netflix. To be very honest with you, I hate myself for watching a movie on telephone. I really do, because the joy and the and the experience of the audio-visual uh, you know, thing is, is not the same. It's not the same between when I sit in a theater, when I sit in, at home and watch it on my screen. It's a vast difference. But I might have to end up being part of this world because that's just the way it's growing. That's a, a wonderfully full answer. I have lots of questions that have come out of that. But I was just firstly thinking about how you guard your reputation because you were talking about wanting to only appear in cinema. With that, I... It made me smile. I, w- I was very happy to see you so naturally doing this Instagram video this morning. And, and you I, you don't have any makeup on, I don't think. You're so fresh and natural looking. And so I'm just thinking with your social media and your reputation and your fan base, how do you want to project yourself? Do you want to be a normal, natural person that shows the range from who you are every day to absolutely stunning photos that you have taken for the films. How do you guard that reputation? That's the first question I want to ask you. How do I guard my reputation? I think um, essentially I believe in being as organic and natural as possible. This is my general motto and mantra in life and I want to stick to that. So be it on the large screen 
I particularly don't like it when they put too much makeup on me on the big screen. So, and I love it when I'm as natural as possible, even in my Instagram videos. So I would like to say that I would like to stay as organic and natural as possible because that is my mantra in life. Um, so that's the, that's the, the guarding is that I want to stay as raw and true to myself as possible because I don't believe in plastic surgery. I don't believe in, in making myself up too much. I believe in making the best out of what I have. And so I have to guard the rawness. That is what I have to guard. Now, um, how much that gets manipulated in the world of cinema or on, on the platform of Instagram, I guess I will always follow the trends. You know, I'm not somebody who would stay away from, from, from evolution of trends, right? So if it is a requirement of me to stay uh, in the feedbacks or stay in the, f in the feed of my fans' uh, lists, I will end up putting a photo or two just so that I appear in my fans list so they don't, they don't forget me. It's part of the business. I'm going to do it. But how I'm going to do it, I don't want it to be extremely manipulated. As I said, I want to be able to keep that raw, natural aspect of Niharika out there so that people can relate to that and understand me as somebody who is your next door friend, but also somebody who understands that her potential cannot be capped by her next door sort of image. Another thing you mentioned in that wonderful description of the industry and how it's changing right now is the race against others. And I think that's something that social media has brought up for so many people. It's that comparison, that constant comparison. And in your line of work, how do you keep your mind ever so slightly blinkered to think, right, I'm not going to compare myself to this actor this is my path, this is my journey, and this person's success is not going to make me feel bad. How do you do that? So I won't lie to you, I have been extremely jealous at times. And I think it's human nature to be jealous at times, especially when you know you have put everything out there of yourself to get a role or, you know, make something out of yourself and you see someone come along and just take it away from you. And I think that's something in cinema that happens all the time. And you have to have a really strong heart to be able to take the amount of rejection and the amount of comparisons that do come your way. Because to tell yourself that, oh, I would never be compared by any uh, actor of my age or in my category of work, it would be stupid because it's, it's always a comparison. However, how do you react to that? Yes, I try very hard to put the blinkers on. I try very hard. But it is an effort because I would be dishonest if I told you that I didn't look at other people's work. I didn't look at how how and where they reached with the amount of effort they have put. I do look at them. Uh, do I let it affect me? It does affect me because that's the kind of person that I am. But I remember and I will always remember this anecdote, okay? When I was young and I was around 11 years old, I went to the swimming pool in in this region where my father was born in India. It's called Kanpur in Uttar Pradesh. And it was a competition between me and another girl and I lost because I kept looking at her swimming, you know. And from that day, I told myself that this is life. If you keep looking at others to try to build yourself, it's never going to get you anywhere. But if you end up swimming in your line and just thinking about reaching that finishing line, you just might actually get somewhere. And I think that from that time onwards, I've always tried, as I said, to keep looking in my direction. I am a international Luxembourgish uh, born Indian actor, so to speak, with French, German, Spanish and 
English as my backdrop in terms of my linguistic potential. I'm going to use this. If there are people out there with these kinds of skills as well, so be it. But I have to put the best version of myself out there and I'm going to try. But like I said, it's impossible. And I, I think people lie if people tell you that, oh, I don't look at other people and I don't see any comparisons between me and the others. Because like there are eight or nine similar faces out there, there are similar people out there too. And it does end up being what the director or the producer or the casting director at that time decides to pick. Because I know when I go into a room and now we've come to eight people, am I going to get the role? And this is the role of my life. Am I going to get the role? I'm not sure. But the feelings that you get inside of you are, I hope it's me, you know. But the dynamics that govern that are so much more than just what you want. Especially now that I've worked on this film, this last film that I did, Suryavanshi, the actor in this, okay, he is potentially the luckiest man I have ever met in my life, purely because he's been at, at the right place at the right time. And of course, he's worked hard. But I think luck in this film industry, and my mother tells me this all the time, is the real determining factor. And how can you quantify luck? You can't. You really can't. Well, I think anybody looking at your successes for such a, a young lady would could be jealous of you too because you've done so much and what is wonderful about you is and I can tell any listener your humbleness stays with you which is a, as you mentioned earlier a truly beautiful beautiful quality so what's next for you you said before we started you have a few aims in mind what would you like to achieve in your lifetime so I've kind of achieved a good status in Bollywood with these two films. I wish to continue working a couple more Indian films, ideally with bigger roles. Um, now that I'm back in Luxembourg, uh, definitely on my bucket list, I must do one Spanish film, one German film, one Luxembourgish film and one French film. It is an absolute must for me. I must do it before I die. And uh, I'm going to try and aim for that. German and French, I've pretty much nearly ticked off but again uh, the role does matter so I wish to do bigger and more uh, pivotal roles in the films that I do. With regards to my medical work I really want to be able to write some great publications in cardiology maybe you know provide a new line of thought for my kind of work give my thoughts on translational medicine and cardiology so write it out you know maybe create a new protocol or put out a new thesis. So I, I really want to finish my doctorate. Um, and uh, I've known people who've done doctorates and acting together. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that would be enough. Well, I think we'll have to have you back to talk about the medical part of your life. Niharika, an absolute joy to meet you, a pleasure to talk through your life so far. And I know there's so much more to come. Thank you for taking the time to be with us here at RTL today. Thank you so much, Lisa. I hope that was OK. <laughs>